to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 8, verses 16 to 27, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 8, verses 16 to 27. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. In the first part of these verses, we see a striking example of our Lord's wisdom in dealing with those who professed a willingness to be his disciples. The passage throws so much light on a subject frequently misunderstood in these days that it deserves more than ordinary attention. A certain scribe offers to follow our Lord wherever he goes. It was a remarkable offer when we consider the class to which the man belonged and the time at which it was made. But the offer receives a remarkable answer. It is not directly accepted, nor yet flatly rejected. Our Lord makes only the solemn reply, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another follower of our Lord comes next, forward, and asks to be allowed to bury his father, before going any further in the path of a disciple. The request seems, at first sight, a natural and lawful one. But it draws from our Lord's lips a reply no less solemn than already referred to, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. There is something deeply impressive in both these sayings. They ought to be well weighed by all professing Christians. They teach us plainly that people who show a desire to come forward and profess themselves as true disciples of Christ should be warned plainly to count the cost before they begin. Are they prepared to endure hardship? Are they ready to carry the cross? If not, they are not yet fit to begin. They teach us plainly that there are times when a Christian must literally give up all for Christ's sake, and when even such duties as attending to a parent's funeral must be left to be performed by others. Such duties some will always be ready to attend to, 
and at no time can they be put in comparison with the greater duty of preaching the gospel and doing Christ's work in the world. It would be well for the churches of Christ if these sayings of our Lord were more remembered than they are. It may be well feared that the lesson they contain is too often overlooked by the ministers of the gospel, and that thousands are admitted to full communion who are never warned to count the cost. Nothing, in fact, has done more harm to Christianity than the practice of filling the ranks of Christ's army with every volunteer who was willing to make a little profession and talk fluently of his experience. It has been painfully forgotten that numbers alone do not make strength, and that there may be a great quantity of mere outward religion, while there is very little real grace. Let us all remember this. Let us keep back nothing from young professors and inquirers after Christ. Let us not enlist them on false pretenses. Let us tell them plainly that there is a crown of glory at the end. But let us also tell them no less plainly that there is a daily cross in the way. In the latter part of these verses, we learn that true saving faith is often mingled with much weakness and infirmity. It is a humbling lesson, but a very wholesome one. We are told of our Lord and his disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee on a boat. A storm arises, and the boat is in danger of being filled with water by the waves that beat over it. Meanwhile, our Lord is asleep. The frightened disciples wake him and cry to him for help. He hears their cry and stills the waters with a word, so that there is a great calm. At the same time, he gently reproves the anxiety of his disciples. Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? What a vivid picture we have here of the hearts of thousands of believers. How many have enough faith and love to forsake all for Christ's sake and follow him wherever he goes, and yet are full of fears in the hour of trial? How many have grace enough to turn to Jesus in every trouble, crying, Lord, save us? and yet not grace enough to lie still and believe in the darkest hour that all is well. True believers have reason indeed to be clothed with humility. Let the prayer, Lord, increase our faith, always form part of our daily petitions. We never perhaps know the weakness of our faith until we are placed in the furnace of trial and anxiety. Blessed and happy is that person who finds by experience that his faith can stand the fire, and that he can say with Job, Though he slays me, yet will I trust in him. Job 13 verse 15 We have great reason to thank God that Jesus, our great high priest, is very compassionate and tender-hearted. He knows our frame. He considers our infirmities. He does not cast off his people because of defects. He pities even those whom he reproves. The prayer even of little faith is heard and gets an answer. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his 